Bismillah, bismillah, walhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah amma ba'd Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah So today insha'Allah ta'ala we are continuing uh, with Arba'in al-Nawi Today is hadith number 36 in which the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said Man nafasa an mu'minin kurbatan min kurbid dunya nafasa Allahu anhu kurbatan مِنْ كُرَبِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ وَمَنْ يَسَّرَ عَلَى مُعْسِرٍ يَسَّرَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَمَنْ سَتَرَ مُسْلِمًا سَتَرَهُ اللَّهُ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ وَاللَّهُ فِي عَوْنِ الْعَبْدِ مَا كَانَ الْعَبْدُ فِي عَوْنِ أَخِيهِ وَمَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ وَمَجْتَمَعَ قَوْمٌ فِي بَيْتٍ مِنْ بُيُوتِ اللَّهِ يَتْلُونَ كِتَابَ اللَّهِ وَيَتَدَارَسُونَهُ بَيْنَهُمْ إِلَّا نَزَلَتْ عَلَيْهِمُ السَّكِينَةِ وَغَشْيَتْهُمُ الرَّحْمَةِ وَحَفَّتْهُمُ الْمَلَائِكَةُ وَذَكَرَهُمُ اللَّهُ فِي مَنْ عِنْدَهُ وَمَنْ بَطَّأَ بِهِ عَمَلُهُ لَمْ يُسْرِعْ بِهِ نَسَبَهُ so this is a hadith mentioned in Sahih Muslim as well as other uh, uh, narrations and so it's an authentic hadith in which the Prophet says He who alleviates the suffering of a brother from any of the suffering of this world Allah will alleviate his suffering from the suffering of Judgment Day And he who gives ease to the one who is hard pressed with debt Allah would make things easy for him in the hereafter And for him in this world and in the hereafter and he who conceals the faults of a Muslim, Allah would conceal his faults in this world and in the hereafter. Allah will help a servant so long as the servant helps his brother. And he who treads the path of seeking knowledge, Allah will make easy the path to paradise for him. No people gather in a house from amongst the houses of Allah, referring to the mosques, and they recite the book of Allah, and they learn and teach the Qur'an amongst themselves, except that tranquility will descend upon them, mercy, will cover them, angels will surround them, and Allah mentions them in, to those who are near him. And he who is slow, slow in doing good deeds, will, his lineage will not advance him. So subhanAllah, this is a very lengthy hadith, and there's uh, several different points that need to be broken down. So let's do it one statement at a time. The Prophet begins by saying, مَن نَفَسَ عَن مُؤْمِنٍ كُرْبَةً مِن كُرَبِ الدُّنْيَا نَفَسَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ كُرْبَةً مِن كُرَبِ يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ He who alleviates the suffering of a brother out of the, out of the difficulties of this life, Allah will alleviate his suffering on Judgment Day. Now the word نَفَسَ uh, uh, is a very interesting term. Why? Because نَفَسَ يُنَفِّسُ تَنْفِيسُ Technically means to alleviate, but it also means what? To give somebody nafasun, uh, which is a breath. It gives, gives a chance to breathe. And fas is the plural, breaths. And so the idea is, this hadith is saying, if you, make, if you remove a hardship, it's as if the person was under duress, it's as if they were drowning in some sort of difficulty. And when you remove that difficulty, they could finally breathe easy. It's like things were made easy upon them, they could finally get a breath of fresh air, quote unquote. I mean, even these expressions work in English as well. So the idea here is what? That if you know that somebody is in some sort of a uh, kurba, and kurba implies a very difficult hardship, something that is going to uh, uh, remain in the mind, and something it's not something like, oh, can you help me with this or that, some, something small. No, this is something that remains with you constantly. You're always worried about it, you're always thinking about it, it's always stressing you out. If you can take that away from a person and sort of restri uh, remove the, the strickening uh, of his chest and the stress that he's going under, and now he can finally breathe freely, what is Allah saying? Excuse me, the Prophet is saying what? That, as a result of that, 
Allah Ta'ala is going to remove the hardships of Judgment Day. Now why specifically Judgment Day and not mentioning this dunya? Two reasons. One is because the next portion of the hadith mentions this world and the next world. So that's already implied in the next portion. So why does this portion only specify the afterlife? Probably because the word kurba was, was used. And the word kurba implies a huge difficulty. And so there's no bigger difficulty than the difficulties people will face on Judgment Day. Those are going to be the most tough. And so it seems to be that when those really big things that you helped somebody with, those times that were really tough on somebody, it's in those instances that you're going to see them show up on Judgment Day. Why? Because that's when you're going to need it the most. That's going to be the most difficult day on Judgment Day. So SubhanAllah, uh, it's a very, very beautiful hadith. Now, <clears throat> how can we implement this hadith? Many different ways. If you know somebody needs help and you can alleviate that difficulty with physical help, you can do that's one way. A second way is financial help, that's, that's possible as well. A third way is just information. Sometimes people just need information, sometimes people just need motivation. And so you can alleviate a problem, why? By letting somebody know what the right path is, informing them and motivating them, letting them know that they are capable, I do believe in you. You have no idea how much, how powerful this is. And SubhanAllah, you might even be able to alleviate somebody's difficulty just by supplicating and making dua for them, asking Allah to help them. And if Allah helps them indeed, then inshallah ta'ala, you also get a portion of that reward bi'ithnillahi ta'ala. So it just goes to show that SubhanAllah, there's so many ways we can help out each other and our brothers and sisters in Islam. And the reward for this is on the worst day, when you're in the worst position, Allah ta'ala is going to alleviate your Difficulty. And same thing with what? وَمَنْ عَلَىٰ مُعْسِرٍ اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةِ That and he who finds, he who can give relief to the one and give ease to the one who is hard pressed with financial debt. Mu'asirin means somebody going through difficulty, but it's usually implied of what? That they are under some sort of financial debt, some sort of financial obligation. Allah will make things easy for him in this world and the next world. So in this, in here you're seeing both being mentioned. So subhanAllah, there are many different points about this. <clears throat> Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an, وَإِن كَانَ ذُو عُسْرَةٍ فَنَذِرَةٌ إِلَىٰ مَيْسَرَةٍ وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ Allah says, and if someone is in hardship, then let there be postponement until a time of ease. In other words, if somebody owes you money, then you should give them extra time until they can pay it back. Don't you know, I know I said I'd give it to you in a week, but please give me two weeks, no problem. Give them that uh, extra time. But if you give it as charity, in other words, you say, you know what, man? I know you said you'd give it back to me in a week. And I know I said, you said, okay, you need one more extra week. You know what? I don't even want it. Just keep it. Allah is saying, what? If you give it in charity, that is even better for you if you only knew. In other words, you don't know. You don't know what you're going to see on Yawm Qiyamah. You don't know the generosity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how it's going to come back to you. You have no idea how Allah Ta'ala is going to treat you and, and, and bless you when you need it the most in this life and in the next life. You have no idea how it's going to come back to you. And so my suggestion to anybody who is asked for money. Now obviously there's, 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 there's extremes. You're not supposed to, there's in fact Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah Al-Baqarah, there's an ayah that talks about don't give your money to foolish people and don't invest in like foolish investments. In other words, if somebody has a, a, an addiction, you don't just keep on fueling their addiction, right? If somebody is unreliable, if someone is just foolish and lazy and you keep on fueling that, that's clearly not a good thing. But at the same time, if you know somebody is not addicted, not foolish, not irresponsible, but they are having a bad time, my suggestion is this, if they come to you and they request and they say, can I loan some money? You should ask yourself the following question. How would I feel if I never see this money again? How would I feel if I never see this money again? They ask you for, I don't know, $1,000, $2,000, whatever it is. Ask yourself, if the answer is, I can live with that, then I would say, go forward inshallah, absolutely. If not, then Allah Alam, that's up to you. I'm not, I'm not gonna give a, you know. But I'm just saying that, I think it's very important that 
And I think it's very healthy that you always ask yourself, can I let go of this or is this crucial money? And hopefully, inshallah ta'ala, you're in a position where you could say, I can give it to you and I know you say you're going to pay me back and I hope you do pay me back. Why? Just for your own sake of standing up on your own two feet and being responsible. It's good for you to pay me back. But in the back of your mind, you're thinking what? I'm okay if I never see this again. You know why? Because if in the event that something terrible happens and this person cannot pay you back, because you've already mentally accepted that this might get away from me, it's not going to destroy your relationship. And that is more precious, in most of the time, almost all the time, it's more precious than the money itself. Because how many countless people have destroyed their family relationships and destroyed friendships and destroyed brotherhood and destroyed community because they lent money and they said to themselves, what? I expect it back and I want it back on time. And because of that, fighting, disagreement, problems, this and that, and then bad blood. Even if the person finally gets the money back, I just didn't like the way he treated me. I didn't like, I, I was a few days late and each day that I was late, he was nagging me, texting me, bothering me, calling me, saying, what's your problem? And he always talks down to me. I, didn't, I don't appreciate that. So even if the money comes back, sometimes the relationship is still ruined. So my advice is this, when you're about to lend money, even if you know that the person said, I'm going to give it back, say, okay, khair, inshallah, I hope you do. But in the back of your mind, can I let this go? If you can say yes, then inshallah ta'ala, then you're protected from whether they give or whether they don't, you know you're good to go. Inshallah ta'ala, that's a good idea. Uh, in fact, why? The Prophet says what? Is in Bukhari. There used to be a merchant. That there was a merchant who used to lend people money and whenever his debtor used to, uh, was in uh, strange circumstances, whenever the person was in a bad state, he would say to his employee, so he had an employee that would go out and say, hey, give the money back. He would tell the employee, listen, overlook. If the person's in a really bad circumstance, my advice to you is overlook. Why? Maybe Allah is going to overlook our mistakes. By overlooking them, maybe Allah will overlook our mistakes as well and forgive us. And what? And then the Prophet says what? And Allah overlooked that person's mistakes. So subhanAllah, you are easy with people. You say, listen, I know you're in a tough time. You know what? Don't worry about it. I overlook it. Why? Not because I am so magnanimous. Not because I'm better than you. Rather what? Because I want Allah Ta'ala to overlook my mistakes as well. However, on the flip side, if somebody's able to repay, if they're financially able, and yet they don't, this is, as the Prophet says, uh, that the delay in payment on the part of a rich person or a wealthy person, this is actually considered an injustice. The Prophet says that if you have the money to pay back and you're like, oh, I'll do it later. Uh, he's, you know, he's a close buddy of mine, no problem. He can wait, you know, uh, whatever. No, 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 no. If you have the money, you should pay it immediately. Otherwise, it's a zulm, it's an oppression. Next portion of the hadith. How beautiful is it that it goes from worldly uh, difficulties of being in debt and then you covering for that person and now having sins with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you covering for that person. The Prophet says what? He who conceals the faults of a Muslim, Allah will conceal his faults in this world and in the hereafter. So both from a dunyawi and ukhrawi, both in terms of a worldly and in terms of the uh, afterlife or spiritual you could say. In both of these departments, you're covering for your brother. You're saying what? You can't cover the, the amount of cash? Don't worry, I'm not going to get you, I'm not going to allow you to be embarrassed. I'm going to cover for you. And you did a sin, and you're embarrassed about what you did? I'm not going to go tell the world about it. We're going to cover it up, and inshallah, you're going to become better because of it. So, this is a very beautiful uh, portion of the hadith, that you should cover up the mistakes and sins of your brother. 
Allah says, in الَّذِينَ يُحِبُّونَ أَنْ تَشِيعَ الْفَاحِشَةُ فِي الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا لَهُمْ عَذَابٌ أَلِيمٌ فِي الدُّنْيَا وَالْآخِرَةُ وَاللَّهُ يَعْلَمُ وَأَنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Allah says in Surah Al-Nur, Indeed, those who like that immorality should spread or be publicized among those who have believed will have a painful punishment in this world and in the hereafter, and Allah knows uh, and you do not know. So in other words, the opposite of concealing your brother's sins is exposing them. Why would you do that? There's one reason, because you enjoy the fitna. You enjoy talking about, did you know this person did this? You, you, you love to swim in the filth. You know, you like to get into that dirty business of other people's lives. This is a sickness of the heart. This is a disease of the heart that we need to cure, that we need to ask ourselves, why do I enjoy talking about other people's failures so much? And Allah says that people who love to see believers, you know, when they make their mistakes and love to spread that, subhanAllah, Allah says that there's a painful punishment awaiting them. The Prophet says, يَا مَعْشَرَ مَنْ آمَنَ بِلِسَانِهِ وَلَمْ يَدْخُلِ الْإِيمَانُ قَلْبَهُ لَا تَغْتَابُوا الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا عَوْرَاتِهِمْ فَإِنَّهُ مَنِ اتَّبَعَ عَوْرَاتِهِمْ يَتَّبَعَ اللَّهُ عَوْرَتَهُ وَمَنْ يَتَّبِعِ اللَّهُ عَوْرَتَهُ يَفْضَحْهُ فِي بَيْتِهِ Abu Dawood graded Hassan Sahih by Al-Albani. It's authentic hadith. Listen to this. How scary is this? O people, O community of people who they have believed by their tongues, but Iman has not entered your heart yet. This is the Prophet speaking to these people, saying, O you, you people, who you say you're believers, but Iman has not yet really reached your heart. Maybe on an intellectual basis, you're like, yeah, I think I'm a believer. Okay, but it hasn't really seeped into your being yet. And you still have elements of, let's say, hypocrisy or diseases of the heart. The Prophet, the Prophet tells them, do not backbite Muslims and don't search for their faults. Don't go around trying to figure out what people did wrong. If anybody searches out for the faults of others, Allah will search out his faults. And if Allah Ta'ala search, searches out somebody's faults, then he will disgrace him even if he's in his house. What a hadith. What a scary hadith. The moment you go on this path of saying, you know what, I want to find somebody's mistakes. I can't wait to find it. So you're going around and you're looking for people's errors. When you have this attitude of searching for people's errors, Allah says, now it's my job to search for your errors and publicize them to everybody. And then the Prophet says, and when Allah Ta'ala wants to expose you, you'll be exposed even if you're sitting in your house. Imagine you're completely in privacy, something's gonna happen. The world's gonna find out. In one way or another, you will be exposed. So how do you protect yourself? We all, we're all sinful, we all make mistakes. And so, not that we want to in, increase in evil deeds in private. No, we want to decrease them. But at the end of the day, you're going to make mistakes. And you don't want that to be exposed. So ultimately, how can you protect yourself? Cover up the sins and mistakes of others. And it's a beautiful, beautiful combination, these two. How they go together in terms of uh, protecting somebody's financial issues and their secrets of, of having struggles by giving them the money and then, and then forgetting, forgiving their debts. And then their sinful problems by trying to conceal their faults. Now... The object, who do we conceal and who do we not conceal? When it comes to righteous people that make a mistake that only affects them, these are the type of mistakes you conceal. If, however, uh, uh, this person makes a mistake that affects somebody else, like for example, they stole something, you don't conceal that. You have to, you know, deal with it. You have to tell them, hey, I saw you steal that, you can't do that. You know, you have to either give it back or whatever the case is. You can't conceal the mistakes that are negatively affecting others. But if the person does something privately, you know, that only affects them, and they are a righteous person, then you should uh, overlook it. As the Prophet says, uh, Forgive people of their, uh, people that have good qualities, forgive them of their slips and of their mistakes, except when it comes to the hudud. 
In other words, the legal penalties. When it comes to like court issues, like for example, if somebody, if you go to court and they say to you, can you testify? And you're like, no, no, I conceal the faults of my brother. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You're in, you have to testify, you're in court. So when it comes to hudud and things of this nature, uh, and furthermore, also when it comes to the open sinner, some people are, you know, brazen or, 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 or they like to publicize their evil. Some people are very public about the evil that they do. There's no concealing of their sins. You don't have to go around trying to pretend that they don't do something. Meanwhile, they're telling the whole world what they do. They're taking pictures of it. They're sending it to the whole world online. This, there's no concept of, oh, no, no, try to hide their sins. And the only reason you would not talk about it is to not acclimate people and to make them used to it so that people think this is normal. Yeah, in that case, don't talk about it. But in the objective to hide their sins, no, because they're not hiding their own sins. And uh, even actually hiding it and trying to hide on their behalf, this is actually might encourage them and make them feel like, hey, I'm even more, uh, you know, um, make them even more bold. So may Allah protect us. Now, once something has been brought to court, there is no forgiveness. Subhanallah, or there is no, yeah, there is no overlooking at that point. At that point, it, justice has to be established. Listen to this hadith by Safwan ibn Umayyah. Uh, he said what? This is in, again Sunan Abi Dawood and it's an authentic hadith. Kuntu na'iman fil masjidi ala khamisatin li thamanu thalathina dirhaman. I was sleeping in the masjid on a very expensive, uh, on, uh, on a cloak of mine that was priced at 30 darahim or dirhams. Okay, so it's, it's, a, it's, it's a expensive, you know, uh, a cloak that he is lying on top of. And then what happened? Faja'a rajulun. Uh, so a man came and stole it from me. Subhanallah, listen to this hadith. That this man, he gets his thing stolen, and then they, they finally, uh, 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 the man was seized, and then he was brought to the Prophet ﷺ. And then he, the Prophet ﷺ, he ordered that this man's hand is cut off. And so, this uh, Safwan ibn Umayyah, the one who his, 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 his cloak was stolen from him, he comes to the Prophet ﷺ and says, are you going to cut his hand off for 30 dirhams? So he says, look, I sell it to him, and he can pay me off as a loan, you know, piecemeal. Like, I, I don't want this guy to get judged. You know, so, so, so forget it. We don't need to uh, cut his hand. I sell it to him and then he can pay me back, you know, little by little, no problem. I just don't want to see him get cut. The Prophet's response is so important. The Prophet says, why didn't you do so before bringing him to me? Why didn't you do so before bringing him to me? In other words, if this man stole this thing from you, you found out who was the thief, and then you went to him and said, listen, I can forgive the theft. I can sell it to you, but you have to pay me back. If you do this in private, then from a legal perspective, the courts have nothing to do with it. The courts, you know, you never, you never reported the crime. So therefore, if the crime is never reported, the government doesn't have anything to do with it. Because the Prophet is basically acting on behalf of legislation as government right now, right? So the Prophet is saying, look, if you didn't consider it a crime, if you didn't want to see the legal ju uh, judgment taken out on him, don't bring it to court, essentially. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, of course. That's the general idea. Once you bring it to court, the judge can't be like, oh, that's okay. No, 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 now it becomes a legal matter. And when it comes to hudud, when it comes to Allah's limits, there's no playing around with this. This is similar to when Allah Ta'ala mentions in the story of Yusuf السلام, the story of Joseph alayhi salam, 
that Allah mentions when they uh, you know when Binyamin Benjamin when they, they placed the chalice in his in his baggage and then they said oh look he stole and then he essentially he didn't ever even argued about it he just he just kind of remained quiet it seems and essentially affirmed that he did actually steal the oldest brother who felt so guilty about what happened to Yusuf and felt so guilty about the situation he goes to the Aziz and he says listen I know my brother did something wrong, but we have to get him back to our father. Our father's going to be way too upset that we took two of his young sons. So take me instead. And then as a response, uh, you know, I take refuge in Allah that we would take him, take except him with whom we found our possession. In other words, we can only punish the thief. Are you kidding me? That's, that's injustice to punish anybody other than the thief. We can't overlook it. We can't uh, transfer the blame to somebody else. It doesn't work like that. If somebody does some sort of a crime, you can't say, oh, well, who wants to take the place and switch? It doesn't work like that. Legal system says, you did the crime, you do the time, and so on and so forth. So, I uh, 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 hope that's clear. Then, That Allah is in the service or in the help of the slave or the servant, so long as he is in the service and the help of his brother. So in other words, as long as you are continuously in the service and helping of your brother in Islam, or your sister in Islam, inshallah ta'ala, Allah will continuously be holding, uh, you know, have your back, quote unquote, or take care of you. And uh, we know that Allah says, Cooperate in righteousness and in piety. This, really, if you don't take any other strategy or any other idea, take this, take this idea as a strategy. When you're going through life, you come to obstacles. Sometimes you come to obstacles that you can overcome easily. And every once in a while, you hit an obstacle that is very, very difficult, right? That you really can't overcome. My advice is very straightforward. What should you do? Take a break from the thing that you don't know how to beat. You don't know how to fix this. Take a break for a second and ask yourself, who can I help? Who can I help who's going through something very difficult that they can't overcome it? Let me help that person out. And maybe it'll be easy for you. Maybe you're in a situation where you can easily help that person. Go help that person and then come back to your original problem. Insha'Allah ta'ala, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, by Allah's permission, you will find what? That whatever was so difficult just became easy. Whatever had no solution, just, just you opened up a solution. Why? Because, as the Prophet says, فَاللَّهُ فِي عَوْنِ الْعَبْدِ مَا كَانَ الْعَبْدُ فِي عَوْنِ أَخِيهِ That Allah is going to be in helping or at the service of or helping the servant so long as he is helping his brother out. So subhanAllah, this is a very important strategy that we try to use. And by the way, if Allah is determined to help you, who can repel Allah's help? Who can stop Allah Ta'ala from fixing your situation? Nobody. Not the whole world can try and they won't be able to. Listen to this hadith that is so, so beautiful. That Anas Radan, who he mentioned, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه في سفر. Once the Prophet he was on a journey. Some of the people decided to fast. Some of the people decided to not fast. Uh, فَتَحَزَّمَ الْمُفْتِرُونَ وَعَمِلُوا وَضَعُفَ الصُّوَامِ عَنْ بَعْضِ الْعَمَلِ قَالَ فَقَالَ فَقَالَ فِي ذَلِكَ ذَهَبَ الْمُفْتِرُونَ الْيَوْمِ بِالْأَجْرِ That there was some work that needed to be done, that, uh, that, that, that those who did not fast, they tied, they girded up their loins. In other words, they, they got to work. They did the work that was necessary. But those who were fasting, they were super tired. They weren't able to do the work that was necessary, that was demanded of them to maintain the journey and to help everybody out and to, let's say, feed and clean and whatever. There was, there was jobs that needed to be done, right, as a group. And so those who were fasting, they were too tired to do so. Whereas those who were not fasting, they hustled and they worked and they served the whole camp, the whole group. And so the Prophet said what? Today, those who did not fast have ran away with all the reward. In other words, what about the people who were fasting? Isn't there so much reward? Absolutely there's reward. But 
This is between you and Allah Ta'ala and inshallah Allah rewards you. But the fact that these other people were working so hard to serve you and to serve themselves and to make sure that they take care of their brothers, they actually outstrip you and beat you. Then, وَمَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَّلَ اللَّهُ لَهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ He who treads a path of searching, seeking knowledge, Allah will make his path to paradise easy. What does it mean? What is the connection between the last portion about helping your brother out, being in the service of your brother and then seeking knowledge? Wallahu a'lam, it could be that the very best help of the best help you can offer somebody is to learn Islam properly, be a good example to them and take away their doubts and guide them. Why? Because that's the best help you're ever going to give. And so subhanAllah, you can see the connection between the portion that was just the sentence prior and then this sentence. It's as if it's a, what you want to do is you want to help your brothers and sisters out. And by the way, seek the path of knowledge. Also, earlier it was saying what? Don't seek out their faults. If you seek out, we mentioned the hadith earlier about if you seek out other people's faults, Allah is going to seek out your faults and expose you, right? So now instead of seeking out other people's problems, what are you doing? Seek out knowledge instead, subhanAllah. So it's a very interesting uh, contrast. The Prophet says, we know, that seeking knowledge is an obligation upon every single Muslim. Furthermore, we know that Allah, the more you seek knowledge, the more Allah is going to increase you. Allah says what? And Allah increases those who are guided in their guidance, and those who are guided, He increases them in guidance and gives them their righteousness. Allah Ta'ala, these are two different ayat, and Allah Ta'ala keeps on mentioning what in different places in the Quran, that when you keep seeking out guidance, Allah is going to keep on blessing you. In other words, the means, you're not going to seek in vain. Allah's not, you're not going to try to read, try to read, and then nothing's coming to you. Try to understand, try to study, nothing's coming to you. No, the more you try, the more Allah's going to make it easy for you and make your, your, your path blessed. And what does it mean, salaka? That he traverses, that he travels this path. This can mean literally walking, riding, traveling, sitting with scholars, sitting in a place in the masjid to learn. This is literally traveling for the sake of knowledge. But even metaphorically, the taking the journey of knowledge can refer to reading, studying, memorizing, researching, pondering, and so forth. So both, inshallah ta'ala, apply. And what does it mean that the path to easy will be made Jannah with knowledge, doing good deeds and abstaining from evil is easier. That's one meaning. Another meaning is what? Allah blesses those who sacrifice for knowledge with the ease of doing good deeds. So in other words, some people have a lot of trouble doing good deeds, but those who study ilm, inshallah, Allah makes it easier for them to do more and more good. And thirdly, that when it comes on judgment day and there's the bridge of Sirat, that inshallah, they'll pass over it very, very quickly. This is another possible meaning. Now, uh, just as a side point about this particular uh, section, Seeking knowledge requires sacrificing your time, your money, and your effort. And unfortunately, most people nowadays, they don't want to do any of that. Unfortunately, most people, they're only willing to learn if everything is made extremely, extremely easy for them. And this is uh, not appropriate at all. Uh, we know that, uh, subhanAllah, uh, it's very sad when it's very difficult to sponsor young people and help young people study their deen because they're just not interested in studying their deen. And meanwhile, we know that there are other faiths out there that you know, they send their kids to seminaries and this and that and the other, and they're studying. And we're thinking to ourselves, SubhanAllah, where are those young people who have that passion and that zeal, who want to understand and study their deen? Why are we not uh, creating, them, uh, creating this passion within them and trying to foster that reality? So may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who recognize the importance of not just seeking knowledge when it's convenient,